Welcome to Strong Runner Chick Radio, a leading online community where our goal is to educate, empower, and connect female distance runners across the world. We believe in healthy running, fueling, and embracing our strength as female distance runners inside and out. Through interviews with top professional, collegiate, and master's level runners, leading dietitians, coaches, sports psychologists, and runners of all shapes and sizes, we hope to spread the message that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to distance running. Now, let's get to the show. Hello, Strong Runner Chicks. Welcome to another episode of SRC Radio. Today, we are joined by Kathleen. Kathleen, welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, we're so honored to yeah. have you here and have you um, in our space. Megan, hi. It's, it's, I was hi. just saying how fun it is that I haven't seen your face in a long time. Isn't it? Yeah. So nice. <laughs> Good um, to chat well, again. Yeah, definitely. Let's introduce Kathleen to the podcast. So Kathleen is a graduate of the University of Massachusetts at Amherst, woohoo, mm-hmm. um, also a graduate here as well, um, American University and the University of Massachusetts Lowell, where she, where she got her PhD. She's an award-winning public educator with 15 years experience in multiple states and countries, including Norway, how neat. Mm-hmm. Um, where she was a Fulbright Foundation roving scholar of American studies. Prior to teaching, Kathleen was a sports writer for a local newspaper, and she has coached a variety of different sports, including field hockey, basketball, softball, and track and field. Mm-hmm. Kathleen lives in Massachusetts with her husband and cat, where she is the slowest runner in her household. I feel that, Kathleen. <laughs> Slower than your cat. <laughs> oh, we run up the stairs at night, and like he blows right by me. He's 13, but he's still got it. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, Kathleen, you have quite the bio. It's amazing. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, now, I, I first of all have to ask, what's your cat's name? His name is Caprice. I had a, um, an 18-year-old car, the Caprice Classic. It was a Chevy when I lived in D.C. when I was at UMass Amherst. So I, it was a great car, so I thought it'd be a great cat. <laughs> oh, that's such a great name. Um, So to begin our podcast, I would love to hear, and I know Megan and our followers would love to hear, how did you get your start in running? Yeah, you know, um, running has always been kind of the foundation for everything that I've done. So running wasn't the first sport that I did. Um, I played a lot of soccer as a kid and then went into field hockey and basketball and softball in high school. But I found that um, though I wasn't always the most skilled player that running on the weekends, running in the summer, keeping myself in shape was really the key to my success. And so although I wasn't really a competitive runner so much, it was just something that I always did, um, you know, just to, to be good at other things. Um, and when I got into my 20s and really into my 30s, I started to, I'm still not a competitive runner. I've never been, you know, that competitive. It's really always been a kind of about myself and just clearing my head every day. Um, I have run the Boston Marathon a few times. Um, I finished, I completed, I, I wouldn't brag about my times at all, but it's always about kind of the, the road and, and trusting what you're doing. So I run every day, uh, slow, fast. Uh, sometimes it's real ugly and I want to duck behind a tree if someone I know sees me running, but um, it's just, just been something that I've done my whole life. So. And there's nothing better than being from Massachusetts and running the Boston Marathon. Even though you may, like, whoever it is may not be from actual Boston, 
just because it's such a hometown race, there's nothing better than having the opportunity no matter what the time is. So I'm right there with you. And I know Megan's had the opportunity as well. Um, and no matter what the time is, like I said, it's just about the cool atmosphere of being in a hometown race, um, hometown, quote unquote. Yes. Yeah. No, it, it's an amazing experience. And I've had some cousins, my husband's run it and some friends and, you know, you go down every year and then you kind of hit a point and it's like, well, I, I think I could do that. I think that I could figure out the training and put the time in. So I haven't run one in over a decade, but I feel like I've got another one in me at some point. So we'll see. Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> I did to hear about it. Um, so when you were back in school, did you run cross country and track at all? I think I noticed you're wearing a cross country sweatshirt. Yeah, this is the Northampton gear, but no, um, I didn't. <laughs> Not really. Um, I played, um, and just in high school, I played sports. I played field hockey and softball for four years. And then I played two years of basketball. And then I did run track for two years, uh, winter track. Um, I ran the 300, not that well, um, but I did. <laughs> so that's my track experience. So, um, which is kind of funny now that I'm so involved in the running world. And I know that it's like my entire Instagram feed is, is runners, but um, it's just kind of something that's involved, evolved. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. So the way that we initially got connected, Kathleen and I, was through the um, Why I Run race series that we did this summer with Strong Runner Chicks. And um, you were one of our prize winners, which mm -hmm. was really cool. And I think you had <laughs> added in that you are a part of Girls Gotta Run Foundation. So mm -hmm. I know we're going to talk a little bit, too, about your academic history. But um, I am curious, like, what... Um, what kind of inspired you both with the race series and getting involved with GGR? Yeah, well, the race series actually, you know, with when the pandemic hit, I had just finished uh, my doctorate and I had just a lot of time on my hands. And besides my run to the grocery store, running was the only thing that I did to leave my house, I guess, the only reason to leave the house. And so when your series came up, it just actually came up on my Instagram feed as like sponsor. And so I was like, wow, this would be great motivation for me to, you know, kind of set some goals for myself in the summer. And so that's, you know, really when I first hear about the series. And as I said, I, I do a couple of road races a year, but it's more about running with my family. I have lots of cousins who are amazing runners. Um, and uh, by amazing, I mean, they get out and run and I love that, uh, all ages. And so it's something that we share. Um, so that was kind of first what I heard about, um, you know, strong runner tricks in your running series and, um, the girls got to run, um, is something a little bit different. It was when we can talk, we can jump into that if you want. Okay. So, um, with girls got to run, I, when I was in my program, I, when I started my doctor program, I initially did it because I wanted to get the sense of feeling limitless in education. Um, and, you know, with education, it's like every, it's, you know, in Massachusetts, you have to have a master's in a few years to, to teach. And so I thought, well, what might set me apart? What might give me something different, a new perspective in my career? So I decided to pursue education. And I live in Lowell, Massachusetts, and they have a, a program at UMass Lowell. So it was kind of a perfect fit. And the first two and a half years, um, I was really focused on civics education because I was a high school history teacher for 15 years. And so I thought, you know, I used to joke with my students, it's, it's, we have an election in less than a month, but I used to joke with them, you know, if, if I see you in 10 years and you come up to me and say, you know, I hate you, <laughs> this was the worst class I ever had, but I vote. 
I'm going to be happy with that. It was something really important to me, you know, to really instill the importance of voting. I'd say, I don't, I don't care who you vote for, but if you follow the process and, and, and make it part of your life, that'll make me happy. So I was following and pursuing the civics education and two and a half years in my program, I had one course left before I started like the heavy research and writing. And there was a group of foreign scholars that came to visit UMass Lowell and they spoke about gender equity issues in their home country. And I sat there and I was like, oh my God, like, what am I doing? Like civics education, I, I could talk to you for 20 seconds and I'm, I'm done. But gender equity and an international you know, studies, I could go on forever. I love to travel. I've been to about 20 countries. So, um, so I grabbed my, one of my professors and I said, I think I want to change gears. And this is probably in May. And I literally, like I said, had one more course and I was starting all the heavy research in like August. And he was like, great, okay, let's do it. So I started to look for international, I didn't even know what I wanted to study yet, but I knew it was going to be with sports and girls and women and equity. And so I just started with those really basic constructs is gender is how I see the world and it, that really solidified it for me. And so um, I started to look for programs that uh, supported use for to promote girls. And so I came across Girls Gotta Run and I reached out to their former director, Kayla Nolan. And she just gave, I looked at lots of programs, but she just, wrote back so warmly and so openly and said, oh, we would love to have you come out and work with us and, and you know, please, whatever we can do, it would, I think you really love it out here. And so that was my initial connection and how I came to Girls Gotta Run. So I'm just so grateful that that all fell into place um, in a really short period of time. <laughs> what a neat story. I love hearing about that from your perspective and how it came to fruition. And I think I jumped a few few um, questions ahead. We were really gonna go and delve into your academic history and career path, which I'm sure Kelsey can uh, kind of nerd out with you on having been in teaching. But um, I was curious, kind of jumping back to what you just said, I that quote, I see, I see the world through gender, I think you had said, mm -hmm. kind of what that means. like to you and how you see the world uniquely in that way? Yeah, I think, you know, it's uh, the way it makes, makes sense of the world. It's my first instincts when I walk into a room, I see gender in all genders. Um, in my research, because in Ethiopia, it really is only identified like male and female. So that was the focus of my research, but certainly on a personal level, all genders, everybody. Um, and I think it just, um, you know, I remember being a little kid, I have an older brother and a younger sister and, and a two wonderful parents. And, um, but I remember my older brother, I always felt like he had, I don't know, just some sort of advantage over me in, in sports sometimes, you know, like, um, and I just remember kind of mentally fighting with trying to keep up and, and trying to get this advantage. And I think that's what got me started. And, um, you know, I'm a lefty actually, and he's a righty. And I remember I got his hand-me-down baseball glove and I was like, what am I gonna do with this? I'm a lefty, he's a righty. And it was like, well, you're gonna have to earn, like earn what? Like, I'm a lefty, I don't know. But I think I took it as a kind of a, a girl thing. And, and in high school, um, you know, I just, I remember being, uh, I was really into sports and I, ha I was part of some really wonderful teams and I keep in touch with my teammates and coaches still today. It's been 25 years. 
Um, and um, I remember just the publicity and attention that so many of the male athletes got. And, um, and they, they, you know, that was great for them, but I felt like there were lots of teams and female athletes that should have gotten at least equitable attention. And it's something that we talked about as a team and, and my coaches, and we still discuss today. So um, I think that's kind of where it started. And, and I think part of it is just in me. My mom is a real kind of pro-female rights person. So I think, you know, it's just lots of messages came to me and I finally recognized that, <laughs> which was really empowering. Yeah, I think that's awesome that you've gotten really involved in that area as well. We need people out there like really advocating for females and in the sport and in life. So awesome. Thank you. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, and I love too that your own kind of um I'm going to get a little nerdy with research right now. Um, your own like reflexivity and your positionality comes into your research, right? So just by your personality saying like, I see the world through gender, or that's like the first one of the first things I see. I mean, look at the research you've done now, right? It's like, it's directly correlated. So it's so neat to have the opportunity not only to research something that you're passionate about, but also be able to say, wait a minute, I need to shift gears here because this is now what's calling to me and this is what's mm -hmm. serving me. So I think whether folks, folks who are listening, whether, you know, you're going to go into academia or not, you know, Kathleen is a great example of taking a step back and saying, hang on, this isn't actually serving me or this isn't fulfilling me at this moment in time. I actually think I need to switch gears. And I can imagine with one course left, that was extraordinarily scary, but also, you know, very liberating, I would imagine. So yeah, I really want to pay um, homage to that and really just give you kind of like a virtual pat on the back because like that's, that takes a lot of courage. Oh, well, thank you. I think, um, I think, as you said, like the, it, it really, my advisors call it a passion project. And, you know, since finishing, I graduated in May and the pandemic kind of changed my careers and we can get into that a little bit, my career focus, but it's been, I've been keeping busy with projects that are totally related to my research or I'm able to, you know, um, you know, make my, my days just, I'm just really excited, even though I'm, <laughs> I didn't get the job that I was kind of anticipating in academia having, you know, my love and interest for this project, like, um, you know, I think it will serve me well long-term, so. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I think too, you know, Megan has spoken so openly about how um, SRC is her pa one of her passion projects, and so it's so nice to be able to hear that someone has taken, like, a little bit of maybe an unexpected career change and recognize, though, that you know, it is possible to follow a passion and also do something that feels very fulfilling and challenging too at the same time. Um, sometimes that combination isn't always felt. So I think it's really neat to have that opportunity to be able to speak with someone who does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I want to dive in a little bit more to how this came about. So it's not just now a passion project. It sounds like things have sort of evolved through COVID and um, this past year and has made you think a little bit bigger about what you could do with GGR and with your research. So do you mind sharing a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I had initially, actually last year I had the chance to, I know some of your other um, podcasters have um, attended the Wilder Running Retreats 
with Lauren Fleshman. Yeah. And so when I came home, um, I, I was in Ethiopia uh, at the two uh, GGR locations in Bokoji and Soto in May and June of 2019. And, um, you know, as soon as you get back, I spent about six weeks in Ethiopia. And as soon as um, I came home, you know, everyone, well, how was it? And, and you know, and it, it was so encompassing to kind of take all that, that whole experience. You know, I had never, I've traveled to Asia and to Europe and to Central America, but never Africa. So, and of course, in Ethiopia, I'd never been. So it was just a lot to take in. And it honestly sat for about six months. And I remember other people in my academic cohort saying, oh, you could be finished with your dissertation in, in December. You could just kind of bang it out and write it and be done. And I thought, this isn't a project that you that you rush through. So I actually saw the Wilder Retreat and was able to join in. They had an, an opening and and in that experience, I realized, you know, that I wanted to take what I had done and to continue writing um, as I was a sports journalist before. And so that was a really important step for me to say, well, I can write, I enjoy it. I don't have to be the best writer, um, but I need to continue to do that. Um, and I'm not sure that at the time I thought, well, I don't know if academic writing is what I want to do. So um, anyway, I, I didn't actually start writing until January. I just had to sit for six months, I had I had kept about 300 pages of field notes in my journal, and I collected questionnaires that I had translated and just pictures, and I got to run with the girls and eat lunch with them and visit homes and go to school with them, and it was just a lot, you know, it was a lot to, to think about, and, and I didn't want to rush my, my process with that, so when I graduated in May, you know, I had, I've actually applied for over 100 academic jobs, <laughs> And um, since last fall, and I had a, a couple offers that just weren't going to work out for my family. And in the summer, I thought, you know, there are things that I could do with this research that I think would are scary, um, and I don't know how to do them, but I think that they're going to be more fulfilling for me in the end. So, um, one of the projects I I've written some academic articles, and I'm hoping to be published. I'm waiting to hear back. Um, but what I've done in the meantime is I've started to, to write a novel about uh, taking the composites of the Ethiopian girls that I met and create a young adult novel uh, about Ethiopian girl runners and some of their life experiences. So I'm working on that. Um, I'm just reading a lot about how to write novels, how to create characters. And if you create characters that are strong enough, apparently they're going to write the book for you. So um, <laughs> I'm hopeful for that. Um, but I for me, being able to take on this writing project lets me tell the story of the girls. Um, when I defended my dissertation, my, my advisor said 20 minutes and I went up and I was like, you know, talking so fast. And I think they thought I was nervous. They said, you can slow down. And I said, no, 20 minutes isn't enough, you know, to, to tell the story. Um, and when I was finished, I said, you know, I, I feel like I didn't really get to, to tell the story of the girls and my experience with them. And when my advisor said, yeah, that's kind of what a dissertation feels like. And so this gives me an opportunity to go back and, and think about them. And, and there was one particular moment we were sitting in, um, in a shed in Bokoji having lunch with the girls and the administrators. And one of them stood up and she said, you know, please don't forget about us. And well, of course not, you know, how could I ever forget this experience? My husband actually was able to come out to the second location because he's also a high school history teacher and girls track and field and cross country coach. <laughs> 
So, and for the two, you know, we went back to our room after that and, you know, it just, that one phrase just sat with us, you know, how could we ever forget what they're accomplishing here, what these girls are learning and how they're changing their lives, their families' lives and their communities. So that's one of the things I'm working on is kind of going back to my journalism skills and adapting them to write a novel. So I'm, I'm nervous and excited, um, and, but I think all day long about the characters and, and who is necessary and how to, how to figure it all out. So that's one of the pieces I'm working on. Um, and another is to take the research that I actually did. So I kind of created this theory of voice empowerment and there's two steps to it. And, and my question really was, do girls who participate in sport perceive greater voice empowerment as a result? And it was really based on my own experiences. Um, I think I'm a, I'm a pretty quiet person in groups. And I think especially in, in school, I was pretty quiet socially, but sports was my, my ticket to a social life, my, you know, my ticket to having long lasting friendships and feeling good about myself in so many ways. Um, and that's where the question came up is I thought, well, if I feel like I have a stronger voice because of the confidence that sports give me, there's no way that I'm alone. <laughs> I have to, they have to have some other women and, and girls who feel this way. So that was where the research question came. So what I'm doing now is the other part of the research is I'm working on creating a curriculum um, to be used um, with high school, maybe high school teams or boys and club teams. I'm actually doing some research and, and making connections on who might be interested in the curriculum, but to have girls kind of reflect on their voice, um, who do they admire, who uses their voice well, what other skills, to be kind of explicit about what other skills they're, they're developing as athletes. And so I think so many times as, as athletes, we're focused on better, getting better, getting faster, stronger, scoring more goals, whatever it is. But there are so many other members of our teammates that are teams that, that are so important. So I'm writing this curriculum. So I'm bringing in my, my teacher skills and, uh, and mixing it with my research. So uh, I'm excited about it. Um, I wake up every day and I decide which project I'm going to work on. So we'll see where it takes me. <laughs> that is so cool. Like, can we just take a moment to say how amazing that is? I, there's like so much there that I want to dive into. And Kelsey, I want to hear if you have anything that really stands out to you there. Oh, I, I have lots. Um, <laughs> I, I will echo Megan. This is epic. Um, I will honestly truly say that I think some of those work that you're doing is powerful um, and very, but what I love is that you're continuing to amplify the voices of these girls in various different manners. And I think that is what's so powerful, right? Is how can I learn from their experiences and apply it to new contexts and situations? That in and of, of yeah. itself is powerful. Um, like I have goosebumps. I truly have goosebumps <laughs> right now. And even hearing you say like, how, like, please don't forget about us. Like I had tears in my eyes because that's what happens sometimes when folks go in to work with certain populations is that they forget about their ultimate goal and that's not happening here. So my, I have many things I could dive into, but that in and of itself to me is what's most powerful from what you just said is that you're not, for, you're not forgetting them. And no. that's incredible. <laughs> 
That is yeah, really I mean, it's just, it would be, uh, you know, just impossible to, f to forget the experience and, and all that they're doing. Um, you know, I got a chance to talk with the administrators of, you know, GGRF and their, GGR and their, you know, and a lot of townspeople and, you know, their, the changes that they're making, as I said, to themselves, for their families and their communities are really long term. Um, and I think that, um, it can be done in a lots of in lots of other places, and it is happening. And I think part of the goal of the curriculum is to make it a little bit more, as I said, explicit, and say, you know, if you're feeling like you're doing better in school, or you feel like you can advocate for yourself, you know, there's good reason for it, and keep going. <laughs> yeah. So I know your novel is probably going to contain a lot of different stories, but I'm wondering if you have any one specific moment or story that kind of stands out to you, especially around voice and empowerment? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's, there's going to be a, a main character, my idea, again, we'll see where my characters take me, right? But, um, but I have this idea of um, when I was in Soto, um, in Ethiopia, the girl, I got to attend two of the life skills sessions, and the girls um, there, they get to talk about, um, kind of what's eating at them, you know, um, sometimes it's a planned curriculum. Um, when I was there, the um, Kayla Nolan was actually leaving. And so they had performed a play for her and she had, we sat together and she was kind of translating uh, for me and she, and the girls basically performed a play in which the, the, the daughter was told she could no longer go to school and participate in sports. Um, because the priority was for her brothers to go to school and brothers to focus. And so I remember sitting in this play and it was so well done. And um, I said, you know, they must have practiced for so long. And she said, well, she said, I, basically that they're ad-libbing in a sense because it's a story that's so familiar to all of them. And it's one of the reasons that they're part of this program is that they had been identified as girls in danger of not being able to complete their education. So. Um, that will certainly be part of the story. Uh, it was still an awesome play knowing that. <laughs> I took lots of pictures and and just that they um, that they, they performed this for their director as a, as a thank you. And I thought that was just, I felt so fortunate to, to be able to watch that. Yeah, that's incredible. What an amazing experience to have. Um, and like an honor to sit there and like and experience it in and of itself. And <laughs> I think jumping back to what you were speaking about, um, about your work with GGR and, and your research and how it's all tied in, I think what's also amazing to look at, and I, as, I, as you're talking, I'm quickly taking notes for the show notes. So as I look quickly at these show notes, like the journey that you took, you know, mm -hmm. like to get to where you are, right, is so powerful too, you know? So I think that in and of itself is, is it's, it's emergent, right? Like it's just like qualitative research. It emerges as it goes, right? So it's, I think your story is continuing to emerge as well. Um, and where it may take you and help others is is always changing. It's dynamic, right? It's fluid. It's, it's this really neat thing to, to be able to witness. So um, I also want to echo that and recognize that too. And um, I'm really interested and eager to see where this curriculum goes because it sounds so, so... Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of another word besides powerful because I know I've already used that like 14 times in this episode. So I'm trying to think of another word, but it really is. I think that is 
taking what we can do and making it accessible, excuse me, to all, to anybody really, um, mm -hmm. is, is powerful in of itself. There we go again, using that word, but. It's the, it's our theme of the day. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's our <laughs> word of the day. <laughs> yes. Let's, let's just make it the word of the episode. <laughs> there we go. I like that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, oh my gosh, I could ask so many questions moving forward now. Um, Megan, anything that stuck out to you? Because you asked me before, so now I want to echo that back to you. Anything that stuck out to you about what Kathleen said um, about her research in GGR? Um, as I know that this is something that is passionate, uh, that you're passionate about as well. Yeah, so much. I think it'll be really, really cool. Like, if there's any way that we or listeners can support you on um, this journey and really connecting with more teams and girls around some of this curriculum. I just, I think that's going to be incredible. Um, I know we have some, some coaches that listen in and um, might be interested as well. So just a lot to learn and gain, I think, from the work that you're doing. And on that front, I wanted to say on the coaching aspect, I know you've had some coaching experience. So I'd love to kind of hear how that plays into um, you know, like your previous history with coaching, how you got involved and, you know, where this might intertwine or inter interweave mm -hmm. with the work you're doing now? Yeah, uh, I, I was just thinking about my coaching. It, um, I, I've been coaching high school sports for 20 years. Um, in fact, I started um, when I was still an undergrad at UMass Amherst. Um, I coached uh, their, the Amherst Pelham Regional uh, Girls JV Field Hockey Team. Um, and so and any Western Mass fans out there, uh, Kelsey and I have a lot of Western Mass connections, we found out. <laughs> um, and yeah, and so after I graduated, I started to coach as I was working at, uh, I was a sports writer for the Lowell Sun. It was myself and eight men uh, working at the Lowell Sun in Massachusetts. And I had, I wrote at night, like 5 p.m. to 3 a.m. And so I had my days, so I was kind of subbing in local school districts and coaching. Um, and, my co and I did that for a little while, and it really picked up when I went to Northampton High School in Massachusetts, also in Western Mass. Um, I had lived in D.C. for a few years and then moved um, out to Western Mass. And I, um, I coached field hockey in the fall, and I was so excited just to have the opportunity to coach again. And um, in the winter, the athletic director said, hey, you know, we, we have an opening for the indoor track and field. And I was like, I really don't know a lot of, I mean, I run, but I don't, I know there's, I know there's a lot to know. And I know I don't know a lot about track. Though my husband does, I had just gotten married and my husband actually ran um, four years at Bucknell. And he, that's why I always say like, I run, but I know the difference between good running and, and what I do. Um, but he was in a, a graduate program and so we had some time and, um, so he started to coach, um, the indoor and then the outdoor girls track and field program. And he, he, along with the other coaches built this, this huge successful program. And they had about 10 girls to start, you know, of a school of 900 is a very small program, but within a year, you know, it was, it had tripled. And so we said, I need an assistant. And I was like, I still don't know anything. He said, listen, can you just come for a week? The other head coach is gone, the boys coach. So I just need another body here. I've had, you know, the boys and girls and 14 events going and I can't do it all by myself. So um, I came for the week. And of course, you can't just leave, you know, you bond in a week with the kids. And so um, I ended up actually being the throws coach. Um, and I, 
though I joke about not being a great runner, I do look like a runner. Um, don't look like I'm not, not a lot of upper body going on. <laughs> so um, I was the shot put uh, coach um, for five years, uh, indoor and outdoor, helped with the javelin. And so um, that was always kind of the joke um, is that I, I never really looked like one. I used, I've never really thrown one. I, I just used to bowl the shot puts back to the athletes so they can work. Um, but I love the footwork. Um, I got this book called The Big Book of Throws. And fortunately for me, I had a couple really talented um, throwers that in no way did I have anything to do with their early success. <laughs> and so they got into these really high regional meets. And so we would watch, you know, the winners. And I'd go, as soon as we could see the winners, I'd go right over to their coaches and be like, what are you doing? And so I became a real fan of uh, throwing and I still am today and my husband still thinks it's hilarious that I know so much about shot put but the Polish drills and you know the glide and the power throw I know I know all of it so um, I've really became a fan of of track um, and so that was kind of our connection so we actually coached together for a while um, and um, and then of course if you're lucky and I still coach high school softball um, at Lowell High in Massachusetts so it's kind of like if there's a sport that you need someone to jump in, I've got it. I got you covered. <laughs> it means so, and in fact, at Northampton, one of the things that was, sorry, I wanted to add one more no, thing. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, that there were two, at the time, there were two female head coaches, including myself. Uh, another one, a woman named Sue Biggs, who was a lacrosse coach. And so many of the girls said, you know, you are my first female coach I've ever had. I'm 16 years old and I've never had a female coach. And that's, part of the drive for this curriculum as well as the conversations that we would have um, as, you know, just a group of girls mostly. Um, and so that's kind of part of what I'm envisioning with this curriculum is kind of the, those conversations that happen. And, um, and not to say they didn't happen with the boys and teams as well, because they coach boys and girls, especially with the track and field. Um, but um, that always stuck with me. It, it shocked me, actually. They said, I've never had a female coach before, so. Yeah, that's, I mean, it, it's, it's hard when that happens. It's like that puts you back on your heels, right? Of like, oh my goodness, like, I didn't realize that. And um, it's hard. It's, it's one of those situations that you don't expect to have happen yeah. to you. And then like something like that happens and you're just like, wait a minute. I thought this happened everywhere in the country, but no, it doesn't, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I really appreciate that. And I, I appreciate also the flexibility of with which you were coaching. It reminds me what I was going to say before. It reminds me a lot of my mom. Um, so I also had a mother who was very much like, um, very woman, uh, centered, I guess you could say really empowered me to play sports. I would grew up playing on all boys teams because we didn't have, um, girls teams where I was growing up in Western math. So, um, for at least a period of time, but anyways, um, my mom did the same thing. She jumped, she coached everything. She coached cheerleading. She coached yeah. Um, you know, women's soccer. I mean, she literally coached everything just to give women an opportunity to play um, to anything. Um, and so I think that that, you know, in and of itself is a really neat thing to experience and to hear is that, you know, some of these young ladies have never had, yeah. you know, a coach who's been a woman. So they don't have these role models to look up to. And how is that affecting their development too, right? So like there's an entire other research yeah. study right there that we could even or whatever. So, um, yeah. you know, I think that it takes like that continual prog slow progress, but that continual progress to make changes and infiltrate the system in order for a woman or young woman to be able to see other women in 
uh, spots that they desire to be in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and along these lines, you, you kind of maybe touched upon it a little bit, but do you aim to take anything that you've learned in your research and apply it to coaching at all? Yes. Um, you know, one of the things that, um, um, I, the, the coach in Bokoji for GGR, um, she's a woman named Fatia and she just, she blew me away, um, as a coach and as a, as a female and as a, as a role model, um, very, I actually, in my journal, I kept going back and I kept using words to describe her because I didn't want to forget anything about the way she led these girls, but she is strong. She is powerful. She's demonstrative. Um, she's meticulous, uh, about how she, she trains girls. She's going to be part of a character in my novel. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking, you know, she's definitely in, as I said, I'm making composites, but she's definitely, you know, the driving force be behind the strong female adult lead, uh, in the book. So, excuse me, but, um, you know, she, um, she really cares about these girls, um, and she was not afraid to have the difficult conversations after practice. She was not afraid to, to lecture them on hygiene, to lecture them on making sure they drank water, to let them know how important it is to be on time. And so she kind of um, reinvigorated me about the, how important the small details are. And that's certainly um, maybe not so much my research, but again, so much my research is it's about that personal experience for me. It's almost, it's one and the same and then it's not. Um, and so um, I think that, um, you know, she, she just merely made me think about what it means to be a female leader. Yeah, absolutely. In one of my classes the other day, I just had to write like a, a brief paper on how to include women in um, the NFL, more, more yeah. so in the NFL. And um, I, I kind of went on this tangent about what it means to be a female leader. So it was very mm -hmm. relevant to what you're speaking about. But yeah, I think having those women in our lives who we can look up to um, as, you know, it sounds like this character maybe mm -hmm. um, based off of, um, you know, is so, so important just for anybody, you know, like it doesn't even have to be a, a quote unquote, like young woman, it could be anybody. We just need these characters in our lives to have, you know, support and then also to be able to support them too. So it's like a two-way system of mm -hmm. what do they do for you? What do you do for them? Um, and it builds those personal relationships, like you said. So I think that's incredibly, you know, important um, and something that you really pay testament to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, well, it, gosh, 45 minutes goes by so quickly. <laughs> <It does>. um, <laughs> Um, but I really want to be mindful of your time, Kathleen, and everybody who's listening, everybody's time. I just want to be mindful of everybody's time. <laughs> so um, with that being said, we usually wrap up with about two questions. Mm -hmm. um, and the first one is, what advice would you give to your younger self? Yes. Um, I just took myself, I think, so seriously as a kid. Um, and even as a young adult, I mean, I still do, but um, I'm a little more aware of it now. <laughs> um, and I think like just kind of taking myself so seriously, I, I really sought out perfection and I, I really didn't, um, I really didn't see the value in failure or not being perfect or not being the best. And I think as I've grown older and even this, even this year and thinking about taking on these new projects, um, I, um, 
I just see the value in learning, you know, kind of that, that old saying, like when one door closes, like another door opens, like I, I think I got it, but I didn't really understand what that meant until now. Um, and for me, you know, just having kind of different career moves and, and things that were unexpected, um, opportunities that were unexpected. Um, I don't think they would have come about if I had just kind of kept my head down and stayed on this one path and, and been so serious about one or two things. So I think that would be my advice is just to relax, Kathleen, like let, let things go a little bit and see where it takes, see where that takes you. Yeah. And that can make life even more exciting. I think too, I can For sure. sense that from <laughs> you in this new, uh, new sort of path that you're taking right now. Mm -hmm. um, our last and final question here is what does being a strong runner chick mean to you? Yeah. Um, you know, I think for me, like in this moment, it means like still going out to walking at my back door every morning to go for a run. Um, you know, I was talking earlier about your running series and how it motivated me to, to keep going. I've actually, I'm on a little running streak right now since I've been in, in Ethiopia since June of 2019. I, the girls really inspired me to get back and get going and get moving consistently again and how much I need that mentally and physically. And so for me, um, this summer was really sluggish and slow, my running, and I couldn't seem to work my way out of it. But I was like, I, well, what good will it do me if I stop? I just got to keep going, you know, slow walk, run, jog, whatever it is, just to keep moving forward. And so I think, you know, what it means to be a strong runner chick for me is to just go out that back door and, and kind of trust the process and know that something good is going to come my way again. So that's where I'm at in this moment. <laughs> Love it. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it all kind of relates back to your life as well. Mm -hmm. Really cool to see how that translates. Yeah. And it's also really neat because it sounds like through your running, you're also not forgetting the girls you worked with, right? So exactly. what another, yeah, what another beautiful way to remember them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And how fast they were and how quickly they dropped me on our runs. <laughs> so so quickly the one girl who stayed back stayed with me the first day she got in trouble for staying back and I felt so bad but she didn't want me to get lost in the in the farmland so I'm, I'm grateful but I was trying to figure out a way to make it up to her after <laughs> yeah. um, well Kathleen do you have any final shout outs or words you want to leave our listeners with you know, I just, I really, I had a great time today and I really appreciate um, you opening up this time for me to talk because I've always, I kind of look at myself as not really an expert in, in, in any one thing. And so I think sometimes you go through life like, well, she knows more about this and he's better at that and he's done this. So he knows, but I'm kind of realizing that, you know, you don't need to be an expert. You don't need to be the best that everyone has something to offer. And so I feel really grateful today that you've allowed me to, to share what I know and what I'm working on. And, and if there are other collaborators out there, I'd love to, to work with them. That's kind of what I'm doing is just getting out and meeting other people who, who share this love and this passion. Well, I certainly see you as an expert in a lot of areas. And um, I think it's really cool to the culmination almost of, of multiple areas. I've been 
just nerding out on that, like two or three different interest areas and how they intertwine. And I think you do a wonderful job of that. So really excited to, um, to share this episode and all others. And as we were recording, I'm like, we just need to interview every single person in our community because they have so much to offer. I know. Like I just never. I know. I know. Like I just, I sit there all day long, listen to like po- whatever I'm doing. I have like a podcast going on. I'm listening to one woman after, and they all have such different stories. And there's so much to take away. There really is. Yeah. Thank you so much again for being on, Kathleen. Really enjoyed this one. Um, Kels, do you have any final words to add? No, but I really, Kathleen, thanks so much for sharing your story. Um, And, you know, I I really hear that. And, like, who am I to be talking about this thing? But Mm -hmm. I think one thing that always, I always remind myself is that I'm an expert of my own story, right? And so what you did today was share your story with us. And so... Um, if anything, that was, and I'm going to use it again, powerful in and <laughs> of itself, you know, that you are an expert in your story and the experiences that you've had and, you know, the ability that you did had today to share them with us, that to me is amazing. So I want to remind you of that. And, you know, anybody else who's listening, if you ever feel that like a little bit of imposter syndrome, remind yourself, you're an expert in your own story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what matters. So Kathleen, thanks so much for joining us. It was truly an honor. Yeah, thank you for having me. I had a, I had a blast today. <laughs> Yay, glad to hear it. Well, um, thanks again, Strong Runner Chicks, for tuning into this one. Really hope you enjoy it and check out um, both Girls Gotta Run Foundation and also Kathleen's work. Um, Kathleen, can we just remind listeners, I guess, what the best way to connect with you would be? Yeah, if they want to find me um, on Instagram, krells99, and I have a website there that I'm working on with my different projects. So yes, that would be great. I'd love to hear from everyone. Awesome. We'll make sure to link that up in the show notes. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to the Strong Runner Chicks Radio. Do us a favor and leave a review in iTunes to help spread awareness and foster the SRC community. Additionally, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Strong Run Chicks.